Welcome to the Iron Society podcast, where we build men of God to become husbands and fathers that change the world. No man should have to struggle through life alone or lacking the tools they need to win and dominate life. Every week, we will bring you an inspiring and actionable conversation that will forge you into the man and leader God has called you to be. Welcome to the Iron Society. Welcome to episode one of the new Iron Society podcast with me, Cody Chapman, and Nick Milligan. Uh, so, I okay, we just got to call it what it is real quick while we're getting started with this. Um, I, there have been multiple Iron Society podcasts in the past. Sure. Okay. Um, there have been multiple versions of what we have as the Iron Society in the past. Indeed. Uh, but... Like, God is doing something super awesome. Absolutely. And super new. And so what we want to accomplish in this first episode really is um, drinking some coffee. That's what we're going to be doing. Stay caffeinated. Um, Stay caffeinated. And also walk through, I mean, not necessarily all of the past eight years of, like, when the first Iron Society started. The highlights, perhaps. The highlights, yeah. And talk about, like, what is happening inside the Iron Society right now, what we're doing. And just share some things. And then in future episodes, we'll get into all of our identity stuff. Like, we'll, you know, we'll start talking about all the man podcast stuff, right? Hoorah. But I think, like, it would be super valuable and important to give people some backstory. Yeah. Um, Context is, is good. Yeah. So I don't even know where to start. Where do you think we should start? I don't know. You tell me, like, what was, what was your first iteration of the Iron Sorry. Or if you want to back up a touch more, like... What's a little bit of your backstory? Maybe not give the whole enchilada away, but like what, when did you get into this first coaching guys? What, what yeah. arena was that? Yeah. So, okay. So I'll go back a ways. So I started, I became a personal trainer like when I was 17. Okay. And my first client was like an 83 year old guy named Bob. Bob. I, I told you the story about Bob the other yes, day, right? Like Came Bob. in. Like getting ready, he's like I think he was like eighty eight years old, getting ready for his final high school reunion. It's awesome. He came in hunched over, like couldn't. I mean, looked like a decrepit old man. Mm. So he's like, I don't want to show up to my high school reunion like this. Mm. I was like, okay, well, I'll take care of you. So mm-hmm. after three months later, wife comes in one day crying. I think Bob's dead. Oh gosh, I, I literally think that she's coming to tell me Bob didn't wake up that morning. Um, but during the conversation, she's just like. I walked out this morning and Bob had climbed up the RV ladder, is washing it off, walking around with a pep in his step, you know? Nice. Um, and it had com- like just the training side, it completely changed his life. How long had it been at that point? 90 days. Okay. Like that's the package I sold. Okay. So that was when I still lived in California. And then fast forward, you know, I moved to Washington, you know, start working with kids at, at the church, become youth pastors, all of this. And all during this time, I'm still. Um, deeply connected with talking with young men, older men, you know, and the older men I was looking at more as a mentor. Sure. And then the guys that are around my age kind of, you know, more as a peer relationship. And so, um, but always doing some type of coaching with guys, um, whether it just be, you know, Hey, speaking life into them, encouraging them, whatever. And then shortly at, well, not shortly after we transitioned off ministry, like a staff position to start a CrossFit gym. Okay. And now I know all of this right now is sounding like, oh, wait, is the Iron Society just like a fitness thing? No, it's not. But like, you have to understand this backstory. So 
I started, we started CrossFit gym because we felt called to start something that, you know, would allow somebody to walk through the doors of a gym, but maybe not through the doors of a church. Gotcha. Right. And be a group of people and be, be an environment that brings Jesus to people in a very uncommon situation. Right on. So real quick. So from Bob to start of the CrossFit, how, yeah. how many years, how old are you and you're, and you say That's, we. That was six years because I started training okay. when I was 17. Okay. And then, yeah, I started the CrossFit gym when I was 23. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. So you had, uh, between then and there was ministry. Yep. As a youth pastor. Yep. Met your bride. Yep. Got married. Yep. And you guys decided we're going to start CrossFit gym as a, as an outreach tool. Was 100%. very much priority there. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. That was our heart. And Love I mean, it. I had always kind of been like a budding entrepreneur, um, just never knew how to do that because my dad didn't do it. I wasn't really around people that did that. So the business part of stuff was cool. And now I love that side of things and love talking about it, all of that. But for me, you know, everything has always been about kingdom impact, all right? Like how can we advance the kingdom of God? How can we build the kingdom? What can we do to take background from the enemy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, all these, all these times, and this is always the thing that I was super frustrated with in the church is I would go to church and see these guys with smiles on their faces, right? And like looking like they had great families and all of this. And anytime that I would mention working out, for example, right? It's, I'd always get like the, you know, the quote from Timothy, like, oh, physical training is of some value, but training and godliness is of much more value. Mm. And I'm like, well, first of all, that's not even the context of what right. he's talking about. Right. And second, no crap. Like, of course, spiritual training has eternal significance and consequence, sure. right? But in the midst of all of this, as I was, you know, owning a gym, I'd been training people a long time, and then being in, a, a, in the context of ministry leadership for a long time, since, since I was a young teenager, yeah. I was invited into rooms I should have never been into. Right. And, you know, in conversations that, like, my leaders were just like, I want to expose you to this. Mm-hmm. And so I got to see a lot of the background of ministry and a lot of the inner work so since I was so young. I was always so appreciated appreciative for those opportunities. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, even I've had mentors that have literally told me you should not be in this room. Mm-hmm. I want you to keep your mouth shut mm-hmm. and just be a fly on the wall because I believe you just seeing what's happening mm-hmm. here is valuable. Absolutely. And I was like, and at the time I had no idea what he was talking about. So fast forward. Right. And what I've discovered is first of all, men in the church are dying. Like they are still walking around, going to their nine to five, smiling for pictures to put on Instagram, right? They're still paying the bills and all this, mm-hmm. but inside they're dead. Mm. Like they're dead. Mm-hmm. They, they lack purpose. They lack vision. They lack mission. They have no idea who they are in Christ. They have no idea what their values are. And because of that, they keep showing up as the most average human being on the planet, of which I believe is one of the biggest insults to our amazing God. It's like, hey- Indeed. We claim to have the same spirit living in us that raised Jesus from the dead. However, I'm going to live the most average life possible. That makes no sense to me. Average or sub average. Yeah, 100%. Right? Like just getting by. Yeah. I mean, the divorce rates in the church, uh-huh. marginally, I mean, insignificantly better than people not in the church. Mm-hmm. Addiction rates in the church, hardly better than those outside the church. Yeah. Right. Depression, anxiety, substance abuse, you freaking name it, in the church, it is hardly different than outside the church. Certainly not a good reflection of what the Gospels are calling us to. 100%. Yeah. And, and for years, what I've done now, because I was, I was a part of a church staff for so long, 
I've watched dozens and dozens and dozens of men that I looked at. They were leaders on the men's ministry team, right? They were worship leaders. They were head this. They were head that. They oversaw this. Yeah. Smiley faces, happy looking families. And all of a sudden, right, I see their Facebook profiles change from a picture of them as a couple to a picture of them as an individual. Mm. And in my head, I'm like, I know what that means, Mm. right? And then you look into it a little more and boom, they got a divorce. Mm. Boom, they had an affair. Mm -hmm. Oh, this guy was a, he was an alcoholic and just beating his wife all while smiling on Sundays. Yeah. Right? And for so long, and this is where I have a hard time expressing it, to be honest with you, because I love the church, the big C church. I love the church. Yep. I believe um, the the big C church is the hope of the world because of Jesus. I Absolutely. believe he, he, he said the, the gates of hell will not prevail against this, right? Like the church plays a vital role in everything. And at the same time, and this is, it's hard for me to say because, I mean, some of my mentors are pastors. Mm-hmm. Some of my great friends are pastors. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever want like my passion to come out in a degrading way toward them. Sure. Because I understand the, the weight and responsibilities of ministry. Most people don't. Correct. Most don't. And that's why I, I like almost say this with some trepidation mm-hmm. because I don't want any of my pastor friends mm-hmm. to feel like Cody's dissing them. Sure. Right. But with that said, and with much trepidation, the church is failing men. Mm. Like they really fail. And here's, here's the, here's the big picture is the church would say the men are the leaders of their home. Cool. So what are you doing to teach, train, equip, and empower those men? It's only a theory when you just speak yeah. that line and then leave it there. Absolutely. In theory, we are the, in principle, we are the leaders of our home. Yes. The Bible says you're the leaders of your home, but every 90 days, we're going to tempt you with some bacon and pancakes, and then... The message we're going to give you every 90 days for these, quote, men's breakfasts is, be some is, is it's like, oh, hey, by the way, stop looking at tits on the internet. Stop drinking so much. Stop being so angry with your kids and your wife, mm-hmm. right? You you suck. Mm-hmm. You need to be more humble, mm-hmm. right? All right. Love you. See you later. Go be the leaders yeah. of your home. And I'm like, is this a joke? Yeah. No actual training or instruction or coaching or yeah, framework to work from. Correct, right? and it's it's one of two opposites, right? You have the one side where people are just like beat the men up, mm-hmm. right? And let's mm-hmm. let's beat them into a better version of mm-hmm. themselves. I'm like, ah, well, that doesn't work, right? Yeah. Or you have the exact opposite side. Instead of beating them, you coddle, coddle. them, yep. and everything is just like. Ah, dude, it's okay. They're there. Yeah, you're. Yeah, dude, life's hard. Happens to everyone. Yeah, we all deal with it. Yeah, and and what that is is it is men that are not confident in themselves mm-hmm. and empowered from the Lord trying mm-hmm. to you know trying to encourage these other men and it's like call them up you and and people men like that will not call men up because the moment they do it exposes their insufficiency Indeed. and it exposes the gaps in their armor yep right so instead of them trying to rise together it's no let's all stay down here because if we all stay down here it's comfortable then it's comfortable Safe. and you can't you you won't you won't call me out uh-huh. because I'm not calling you out. It's just this unspoken. Uh-huh. This is don't don't rock the boat. Yep. Don't don't make it. You know you, you see that in the workplace sometimes where the new guy comes in and he's hungry, right? Oh yeah. And everyone's like, "Hey, bro, we don't go that hard on Fridays." Yeah. Right. No. 
Yeah. Kill that. Mediocrity becomes the accepted cultural yes. norm. Mm-hmm. And it's accepted in the place where it shouldn't be, mm-hmm. the church. Yep. And I'm like, hold on a minute, guys, right? And so what, so what have Christian men done? This is, and this is part of where the Iron Society comes from. What have Christian men done? Well, they go and they find this version of masculinity, badassery, grit, you know, all of those things from sources that are not biblically grounded. Mm. And I'll, I'll just be upfront. The, the sources, I go there too. Sure. I love these guys. Guys sure. like Jocko Willink. Sure. Guys like Cameron Haynes. Tim right? Kennedy. Tim Kennedy. A lot of guys, uh, I, you know, like them, hate them, feel otherwise about them, right? Um, Freaking Andrew Tate. Sure. Right? You look at all these guys and they're like, okay, I'm going to learn my masculinity and I'm going to make myself better by learning from these men. You see them as successful, right? It, exactly. And, and, and leading the way, right? Yep. Not being afraid to back down yeah. and going after what, they're, what they've set their sights on, right? Yep. Sean Whalen or uh, what's the first forum guy? Uh, Andy, Andy Frisella. Andy right? Like, yep. yep. Ed Milet. Ed Milet's a little more faith-based, a little bit. But, but what happens, and this is, this is what gets scary, is when you have, mas- when you have masculinity and it is devoid of biblical spirituality, Mm -hmm. it will always be found lacking Mm -hmm. every single time. Mm -hmm. And this is where you can look at men in the church and they have their, you know, their patriotic shirts on that say like, come take it or this or that. Right. And first of all, most of those guys can't run more than a quarter mile without having a heart attack. (laughs) Um, And it's like, okay, cool. Like, I love the fact that you love your ARs and your patriotic wear, but let's be honest. If, if you actually had to do something um, you know, your wife Physically is probably demanding. dragging your fat butt with your yeah. gelatinous yeah. man boobs. Not proficient in right? any way, yeah. shape, or form. Like, and if and if somebody gets offended by that, you, I mean, whatever. There's your sign. There's your sign, right? <laughs> but like, that's men. Men go that direction, and they're like, oh, well, masculinity and being a biblical man is being more patriotic. It's being mm. more gritty, and mm-hmm. it's just being more just, just tough and endure. It's just tough and endure, and yeah. it's like okay, maybe that's a part of it, but that is not the entirety of what biblical masculinity looks like, mm-hmm. right? And then what's the opposite side? Is some people go on to this way lovey-dovey, meta-ethereal, like, oh, you know, to be, you know, it's the tender warrior. You need to be, you need to increase your tender side. And then... It's like you you just grow all these like high estrogen men say. that are just like all feely wheely lovey dovey, and it's like you, you're just creating another woman. Yeah, That's you wander in this effeminate, you know, section of of life that. I mean, and let's be real. That, that's kind of where the church over I don't know 100%. however however many years has gone. The 100%. church has become more and more effeminate because you've got less and less men. Leading biblically. Yes. Right? Yes. And that, that is where, that is the heart of the Iron Society. Because it's like, okay, well, what do I need to be? Do I need to be a lion or a lamb? Yes. The answer is yes. Christ was both. You need to be both. Do I need to be an absolute savage and lead? Or do I need to be a servant leader? Yes. Yes. The answer is yes. And the problem that I see in the church is most men are really good at one. Mm-hmm. And whenever you become good at one, right, any strength overextended becomes your greatest area of vulnerability. Mm. And that's why men in the church, 
they either become this savage leader and then what they what they end up becoming is domineering, chauvinistic. Their wife doesn't respect them because they don't listen or lead well, yep. right? They don't connect with their kids and they feel like, well, I can't connect with my kids. Yeah, because you're being a butthole to them all the time, yep. right? Or instead of being the savage leader, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to be over here and I'm going to be the tender warrior, right? Passive. And, and, I, and you become passive. Yep. You become easily manipulated. Mm-hmm. You, be, you lose your balls, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's like, and then at that point, who's the leader of the home? Your wife is. She starts wearing the pants and then she feels overwhelmed because she's having to step into an area of leadership she was not designed to do. It wasn't created for. So in the Iron Society, and we'll talk more about like the foundations of our philosophy. I mean, because we've been talking about it for months now with guys, Mm -hmm. but it is not, hey, we're going to teach you how to be a savage leader or we're going to teach you how to be a servant leader or we're going to teach you how to be more of a lion or no, we're going to make you more tender lamb. We teach and guide men how to be both because biblically we are called and required to be both. And that is the true definition of being a biblically masculine man. You have to encompass both of those because that's what we see in Jesus. Yeah. There's a dichotomy there, right? Truth and grace. Mm -hmm. You need the truth. And sometimes that truth can be painful. Hurts. Right? Hurts. Truth is, it reveals lack it reveals sin it reveals you know things that you need to grow in right but that grace allows for you to be loved still right where you're at yeah for you to be respect right where you're at but at the same time calling you higher yes calling you to improve calling you to repent calling you to grow in your maturation in christ yep absolutely and that is for me i mean like i said to get back to the original thing we were talking about a while ago, <laughs> every time, I mean, there's been like five or six different iterations of the Iron Society. Okay. And each one of them, at some point, I just felt like it was lacking something, mm. right? Like it was too focused on fitness mm. or it was so focused on spiritual stuff, but it lacked all this other stuff. And every time I'm sitting there, because here's the deal. And dad, if you're listening to this, I just want to tell you, I love you. Thank you for being my dad. But to tell everybody, like, my dad did not teach me how to be a man, Mm. right? My dad did not teach me how to be a husband. My dad has not taught me how to be a father. Mm -hmm. And so what I had to do is I had to go learn all of it. I had to go learn from mentors, distance mentors through books. I had, you know, and ultimately it was the Lord teaching me. And I had to go learn all this stuff of what the heck does it mean to lead my family and be a man of God biblically? Because mm-hmm. no one has taught me this. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I was able to put myself around some amazing men and literally live in their house and watch them model it and learn from them for years. But every time I had a version of the Iron Society, it did not encompass everything that I believed a biblically masculine man had to have in his life in order to win and dominate life. Because at the end of the day, the Iron Society exists. And this is from, I mean, now that we got this puppy rolling again, and I believe like what we have going is exactly what I had been trying to accomplish for eight years, right? And I even told you, it was like, I feel like I was finding the puzzle pieces to finally put together and culminate to what we have now. Sure. Because now what we have is we walk guys through their foundation, right? What is their foundation? And a lot of a lot of different men's coaches are like, you need a vision first, sure. right? You need to have your, you need to do this first, right? And it's like, no, 
if you don't know who you are, mm. if you can't tell me who you are, what you value, and how you will show up, I don't care about your vision mm. because that vision, A, is probably not what you really want because you don't know who you are. And two, if you cannot tell me who you are, what you value, and how you will show up, that vision will probably never be accomplished Yep. because you haven't decided how and who is going to show up to accomplish that. It's mm. good. So after our foundation, then we go into the fitness slash spiritual life. Why right? is that? Why is that next? Okay. So first of all, um, identity is the foundation, right? Like, and what we say in the Iron Society a lot is identity precedes victory. Like we believe you have to be, your life is identity driven. Mm-hmm. Wherever you are lacking or struggling with something in your life, there is probably some piece of your identity, maybe back from when you were a kid sure. that you have held on to. It's like a kid that was walking along, you know, a seashore, just grabbing seashells. You were just grabbing pieces of your identity growing up. Mm just in order to survive and thrive through life mm. and you shoved them in your pockets. Okay. Right. And then, so now we have guys that are 30, 40 years old wondering why their life is just so weird. It's cause well, you're living with an identity pieces in your pocket that you picked up when you were a kid and you talk to psychologists and this is, I mean, this is childhood psychological trauma that most people experience mm-hmm. and then they grow into that. Mm-hmm. And so what we teach guys how to do is empty your pockets of all the shells and then define it right? Because we, I I believe identity is not found. It's defined. Like you don't just stumble upon identity one day and like, Oh my gosh, that's who I am. Sure. Like you get to define who you are Yeah. first and foremost from what the father tells you. And then there's other pieces of identity that you can look through scripture and actually define. But the reason to answer your question, why identity is first, because everything is predicated on it. If you cannot tell me who you are, what you value and how you will show up, it will affect every area of your life. How do I know this? Well, my wife and I, for years, ran an online marriage ministry, right? I've worked with guys for years. I've trained men for years. Mm -hmm. I've coached men for years. I saw a very common thing happening. If a guy wanted to make his marriage better, he would work on his marriage. That was the thing he focused on. And then it would get better for a few months, but then six months or a year down the road, it would be back to being a garbage marriage. Mm. Or I'd watch a guy lose 80 pounds in my gym, quit the gym because he lost it and now he wants to go enjoy life, come back having gained that 80 pounds back. And I'm like, why is this? Like, why do these people go after these different areas and then they make them better, but then shortly after they suck again? And Always on that roller coaster. It's just this roller crazy, coaster. Yeah. And what I started to realize was, right, well, really, I, I mean, I kind of understood it from something Albert Einstein said, in mm. which he said, you cannot solve a problem with the same thinking that created it. Mm. So what happens is men want to fix their marriage or they want to fix their spiritual life or they want to fix their parenting or they want to fix this, that, or the other thing. But they're taking the same confused, broken man into every one of those areas. Sure. And so what they do is they say, I'm going to fix my finances. I'm going to fix, fix my spiritual life. I'm going to fix my marriage. I'm going to fix my parenting. And I say, stop trying to fix all of it. Fix you first, right. which starts with your identity. And then after you know who you are, you gain more confidence and energy and vibrance through your physical health. You grow your spiritual life. Then what you've done at that point, when you look at your foundation, your fitness, and your faith, that is a powerful man. Yes. Now take that man to his marriage, to his parenting, 
to his workplace, to his business. And that is when things will change for good. Because what you've done is you have basically swapped the engine out. Yeah. And you've said, hey, this is an old broken engine. We're going to put a new engine. Now we can actually travel down the roads we need to. Yeah. Instead of victim, you've now got a victor. 100%. Right? You're, you're in a mode of confidence, of uh, you know, truly knowing who you are that enables you to make completely different decisions. Absolutely. Totally have a different thought process. Right? You, can, you can go and grab some tools from here, there, or whatever. But like you say, if you're adapting it to the same, you know, maybe some performance parts or whatever, if, if the analogy to that same old tired out engine... Yep. That engine's still going to fail. 100%. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's why 90% of smokers that try to stop smoking don't actually quit long term, mm-hmm. right? So you look at the statistics and there's only like a 5 to 10% success rate. Wow. So and you're like why? Well, it comes back to identity, mm-hmm. right? If I go up to somebody who is trying to quit smoking and I say, "Would you like a cigarette?" What are they going to say? No, thanks. I'm trying to quit. I'm trying to quit, right? If I walk up to somebody who is not a smoker and I offer them a cigarette, what, how, what are they going to say? Uh, I don't smoke. I don't smoke. They, one person refused the cigarette based on an identity statement. I don't smoke. The other person answered it based on behavior modification. Sure. I'm trying to quit. We have a whole lot of guys in the church that are trying to be better husbands, mm. are trying to make their marriage better, mm. are trying to not be an angry father. Trying is a bad word. Trying is a terrible word because <laughs> what it does is it indicates that you are trying to outperform an identity that you believe. Mm. They're holding on to this identity. I'm an angry father. Sure. So I'm going to try like hell not to be. Yeah. And it's like, dude, you will be successful for maybe a few weeks at not being an angry husband. By manipulating your behavior as good as you can. Yeah. But eventually it will get tired because you're acting like someone that you believe you're not. And so what we do is we say, hey, why don't you just latch on to the identity that you're not an angry father, that you're a peaceful father, that you're a patient father, and then just go act like that guy. It makes me think about scripture, how it talks about that new heart of flesh, right? That replacing the heart of stone. Yeah. You're, you're, there's a, there's a transformation there that happens. Mm-hmm. And I think so much of it, while definitely God's after your heart and that is the ultimate, there's a, there's a mindset though, that you have to begin to understand and learn yes. to look at things differently. Right. Yes. And that new man can then operate out of that new perspective. hundred percent. Well, scripture tells us one way that we are transformed only by one, the renewing of our minds, by the renewal of your mind. It's not you are transformed by the renewal of your habits. Mm -hmm. It's not you are transformed by the renewal of your efforts. You're not transformed by the renewal of your vows. You're not transformed by the renewal of the devotions you do and the podcasts you listen to and the books you read. You are transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that is where we have to understand in our minds, deep inside, we are holding on to different pieces of identity, whether we know it or not. And unless you define what you're going to believe, you will always be held back by these other things. And I was, I was talking to a guy yesterday about this. He's going through this process. It's, it's one of my buddies. Um, and he knows about the Iron Society. Mm-hmm. He's going through the process of like defining his identity mm-hmm. without even knowing it's what he's doing. Interesting. He was talking me through and I'm like, you know, dude, it sounds like 
you're trying to come up from the ocean from for air. Like, mm. you know, like it's like, oh, I'm trying to get air, trying to get air, trying to get air. And that's what I feel like a lot of guys are doing. They're living life at a super fast pace, super confused, super frustrated, super let down, feel like failures, all this. And they're like, I'm just trying to get some air. Yeah. And at the Iron Society, what we do is we say, how's that been working for you? Sure. You've been trying to get air. Here's what we're going to tell you to do. And here's what we're going to teach and guide you to do. Take a big, deep breath and go down. Mm. Go underwater because you have an anchor attached to you, a.k.a. an an unserving you old identity. Mm. And you need to cut the chain so that you can actually be free to get the air you need, right? That's what old identity is. It, when guys are struggling to get a piece of air coming up for water and they have old identity anchors on their ankles and they wonder why, oh, why can't I get air? Why can't I get air? And they're, they're so worried about getting air that they're, they're scared out of their mind to actually go under the water. That's and good that's visual. what we take guys to do is we say, take a deep breath. We're about to go deep. But I guarantee you, once you do this work, you're going to feel more free than you ever have. And that's exactly what's happening yeah. in the Iron Society right now. Well, and it enables you then to go help others. 100%. Right? Like, how are you supposed to help someone when you're drowning yourself? 100 Absolutely. Right? When you're attached to this anchor and unable to go be the father you're supposed to be, go be the husband you're supposed to be, go be the man in the community that you're supposed yes. to be, right? Like, how are you supposed to do that? Yeah. We, we think we can. Men are so apt to, oh, I can handle it. Oh, I can fix it. Just pour it on. I I'll stay up later. I'll get up earlier, what have you. And we're just breaking ourselves trying to do something out of which we, we don't have the capacity in mindset to even do. Yep. Right. But we're so stubborn. Sometimes we know I can do it and I can do it on my own. Yeah. Right. It's like, no, you can't. Yeah. You can't like, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to work longer. I'm going to give it more effort. I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to do all this and gosh dang it. I'm going to do it on my own to prove to everybody that I have what it takes. And I'm like, bro, everyone stop trying to play games and fool people. Everyone knows you don't have what it takes. Otherwise you would have already accomplished it and done it by now. Mm -hmm. So stop playing the games, Mm -hmm. dude. Yeah. Like you don't have what it takes. Because you were never meant to do it alone. Yeah. You're never meant to do it alone, right? It makes me think of what you started off with, walking into a church and see these guys with these perfect families, quote unquote, and everyone's all dressed nice and everything looks good on the surface. Yeah. And it's, it's all a facade. It's all a facade. They've got their mask on, their Sunday best, so to speak, right? But they're not letting anybody know them yep. and they're not knowing anyone. They're not known. Yeah. And there's no side by side, you know, like we talk in the, the Iron Society sometimes, you know, shield wall, right? The yeah. Spartan warriors, they were there to protect and fight alongside one another. Yep. And if you if you're not in that community to where you have that brother on your left and your right working alongside with you, encouraging, sharpening, challenging, calling you up, there's all there's there, there's always going to be that point where you can only go so far. Yeah. That chain attached to that anchor only lets you get so far. Yep. You're never going to reach your God destined destination yep. with that on your ankle. 100%. Yeah. And I mean, like you look at it, right? God created everything in the beginning and this is pre-sin. What did God say? Like mm. he, 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 he just created everything. He created man and everything. This is pre-sin, right? Before the fall. And he's like, 
it's not good mm. that man be alone. Mm-hmm. Hold on a minute. Mm-hmm. You're talking before sin enters the world. God just said, he looked at everything and said it was Something good. Something wasn't good. Right? So, yeah. Pre-fall, pre-sin, pre-deception, and God found something that was not good. And mm. what was that not good thing? That man was alone. Yep. So you're talking to me thousands upon thousands of years after that, after like sin is rampant in our world. We have, we, I mean, we are born into sin. And you mean to tell me that you think you could do this on your own? Stop being a joker, dude. Yeah. Like God's, God even said in scripture before sin had ever entered the world that it was not good that man be alone. So what in the world possesses you to make you think that you can do this by yourself? You're, you're buying the lie. 100%. That's all Satan's got. Lies. You're buying the lie. Yeah, absolutely. And in Proverbs, right? A man who seeks isolation seeks his own destruction. Mm -hmm. It's like, you wonder why your life gets worse the more isolated you get. Mm -hmm. It's like, bro, stop playing the games. Like, you need people with you. You need other men by you that are going to commiserate with you when you need to be commiserated with and, and come alongside and put their arm around you, pray with you, tell you it's gonna be okay. Yep. But then at the same time, it's what we were talking about last night. We will not just commiserate. We will call you higher. Yep. Like, because that is what men of God need to do. Otherwise, we just turn into a sappy social club of Christian dudes that are all whining about, oh, this is so hard. These trials are so tough. And I've been around Christians like that. Sure. And it frustrates the crap out of me because I'm like, is this room full of spiritual Eeyores right now? Like, can we please get a Winnie the Pooh or a Tigger up in this like, right. right now? And I end up being becoming that person because I'm like, y'all making me sad. Yeah. Like, I feel sad being around you. Uh, but we, we can commiserate, but we have to call people higher. Yep. And that's, and that's what we do in the Ironside. Love it. So I, we're at 33 minutes, so I don't want to keep, you know, rattling on and rattling on. But, and some of you might be listening and I... Like, what in the world was the point of this episode? Um, the point of this episode was to press record. Yep. That was, that, that was literally the purpose of this episode. And to just talk. Um, Nick and I have never podcasted in person before. Um, and so it's just like, we're just going to be doing this. And in coming up here, we'll start actually walking through the different principles of the Iron Society one by one, talking about identity and how you develop that. Um, we, and even within that, how you can become a part of the Iron Society to have us guide you through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to walk you through everything. We're going to give all of our best stuff away. And just like, hey, here you go. Take it or leave it. Do with it what you want. Um, but again, the, the great part is I can give it all away to you for free and just still be missing the magic sauce, which is the community. Yep. You'll still be doing it alone. Yep. So, And that's the power of the Iron Society. So um, anyways, any final words from you, Mr. Milligan? Excited for the future. Yeah, me too. Excited for these men to, to have more than just hope, right? Have some framework, have yeah. some community, have, have the tools at their disposal that they can actually put to work with, yeah. you know, but it's still on them. It's still their choice, right? Yeah. To, to execute. Yeah. Cause I feel like that's for years in the church. That is what the church has done. It said, Hey, this is what your house should look like. And what we're doing is we're coming in and saying, Hey, Here's the process, here's the blueprints, here's the materials, and here's the tools. Yep. And we're going to dig with you. Yep. And it's like, whoa. So you're not just pointing to the house I need. You're actually giving me the blueprints, the plans, the materials, the tools, and you're going to pick up a shovel and move dirt with me? Yep. Dang right, bro. Then a hammer. Yeah. Then a spray gun. All the things, man. So anyways, that's it for this week. We'll talk to you guys later. See ya. Out. 
Hey, one thing before you go, if you got any value out of today's episode, we would so appreciate a five-star rating and review wherever you are listening to this podcast, as well as, hey, take a picture with your phone of you listening, take a screenshot and post it to social media. Go ahead and tag me at Cody Chapman, and you can tag Nick as well at the Nick Milligan. Also, if you want to learn more about the Iron Society, you can head on over to ironsociety.co to learn more. We'll see you next week.